0: We are spirit, we are soul, we are body, okay? If you're not saved, that order is reversed. It's more about the body or the flesh, the soul, the spirit. And we talked about that, how that if you're not saved, your spirit is cut off. You have a spirit, but it is disconnected. It's dead, I say dead, but it's not really dead because you can connect to it. But at this point, it's not connected to God. It's connected to evil spirits. Okay? So th- this is where people, I mean, there's a lot of fake stuff going on, but there are some people who really can talk to demons. And, they, and, and you think it's your Uncle Joe, but no, it's a demon. It's a demon who knows Uncle Joe, and that's why they call it a familiar spirit. So, there are people who have connected with their spirit, but that spirit that they have is connected to the demon world. So, there's not a lot of people like that. But how many know people are hungry for a spiritual experience? Amen. And they're finding it in all kinds of strange places. They're activating their spirit, but they're connecting with the spirit, with, with, the, with, the, with the enemy uh, in that spirit realm. So we're going to get into this. So last week we talked about those three divisions. You need to get that message. If you don't understand that, you're not going to understand anything else. The title of this message, by the way, the title of the series is Spirit Man. I want us to be spirit men and women of God. Amen? And uh, so the title of this is Wretched Man. Oh, wretched man that I am. Right? Let's go into this. Romans chapter 7. Let's get into it. We're going to be in Romans 8 a lot, but we've got to get some foundation. Romans 7, we'll begin reading in verse uh, 13. Follow with me. It's in the Passion Translation. It may sound you know, a little different if you're uh, a you know, constant King James reader, but it's good to hear it differently. So did something meant to be good, which is the law, be- become death to me? Certainly not. It was not the law. It's not the Ten Commandments, but sin unmasked. That produced my spiritual death. The sacred commandment merely uncovered the evil of sin so it could be seen for what it is. The purpose of law is to tell us the difference between right and wrong. For we know that the law is divinely inspired and comes from the spiritual realm, but I am a human being made of flesh and trafficked as a slave under sin's authority. There you are if you're not a Christian today. I'm a mystery to myself, for I want to do what is right. Are you with me? I want to do what is right, but end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. I know, I know you've all reached perfection now, but I, I still struggle. Anybody else? And if my behavior is not in line with my desire... My conscience still confirms the excellence of the law. My conscience still tells me what's right and wrong. And now I realize that it is no longer my true self, my created self, doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Next verse. For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. Let's just call it the old man, not your husband, the old man. The longings to do what is right are within me, but willpower is not enough to accomplish it. You need to get that. My lofty desires to do what is good are dashed, When I do the things I want to avoid. Mm -hmm. Anybody relating to this? So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it's not my true identity doing it. Because I want to do right. But the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. Am. Wow, what a powerful statement. Through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Uh-huh. Truly, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. Can I get an amen? But I discern another power operating in my Humanity, my flesh, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of do's and don'ts of sin. This unwelcome intruder in my humanity. Anybody relating? What an agonizing situation. Oh, wretched man that I am. King James. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man, I almost entitled it Miserable Man, from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? I thank, I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. So if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed, say renewed, my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. Can I get an amen? How many got your thinking caps on? Punch your neighbor. Are you, are you thinking? Ready? There are two kinds of Christians, basically, spiritual and carnal. Both are Christians, but some are actually more spiritual and less carnal or more carnal and more spiritual. It's hard for us to get that in our head that you can be saved and still carnal. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you. I couldn't talk to you. I couldn't preach to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. As to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food because you would choke. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. He's talking to Christian people. For you are still carnal. For where there's envy, strife, and divisions, that was Corinth's problem, but how many know there's other things? Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? What Paul is saying is there are things coming from God. Let me put it this way. There are things in your spirit, man, that God is trying to communicate to you, but you are not able to hear. In fact, as I preach this message already, some of you, I'm sure, are tuning me out because this is not a ha-ha kind of message, whatever that is. You're already tuning me out because you are carnal. (laughs) Your spirit man is screaming at you, but you ain't listening because you're carnal. We're going to explain that. I want you to understand that when you were saved, the very moment, the very second, you gave your life to Jesus Your spirit, remember I said your spirit was is was was dead, disconnected is a better word. The moment you became saved, your spirit was reconnected to God. The very second, and you have the spirit of Christ in you. Wow. Titus 3:5. I'm gonna give you a lot of scriptures. You okay with the word? Not by works of righteousness, not by good things we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. How did he do it? Through the washing of regeneration. Nobody uses that word anymore, but it's a Bible word. Regeneration means a fresh start. Think of generator. When you're saved, your engine is turned on. You are regenerated. And what's going on is the Holy Spirit is now renewed in your spirit. You're connected if you're saved. Wow. Okay? Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you, he made what? Who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. By the way, isn't he getting stronger? Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, Mm, 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 mm. even when we were in trespasses, made us together with, by grace you've been saved, reminder, and raced up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you're saved, you're seated. So sit down. Some of you act like two-year-olds running around the throne. Sit down. There's more in that than you think. Ezekiel talks about this in the Old Testament. A couple of verses here. Verse chapter 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone, pretty dead, out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to, oh, very important, walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Very important. So if we have the spirit of Christ, if we have, if we're reconnected to God, we're not dead anymore, we're alive, why are we struggling We got the Spirit of God. Why are we still struggling so much? Here it is. When you're saved, your position is changed, but not your experience. Your standing has been. Oh, this is good. Your standing has been changed, but your walking hasn't. You're still walking, perhaps in the wrong direction. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Me and Blake are in the same position, but facing different directions. If he starts walking, he goes the wrong way, because I'm the pastor, and that's just the way it is. Sorry about your luck. I always go the right way, so you got to go the wrong way. I will go the right way. He will go the wrong way. You can be saved and still walk the wrong walk. You can still be carnal and not spiritual. And by the way, you're, you never totally arrive being spiritual. I know some of you think you have, but you have to. How many know we, we, we'll spend all eternity... We'll get into this more, but I think the best way to explain this relationship is the use of a filter. Y'all know what an air filter is in your furnace? I just got a notice on my little thing. Replace your air filter. And I just hit done. (laughs) Good. Because it's going to be a week before I get to the store. Every day, that stupid thing. Have you replaced your air filter? No. Just done. I just, I'll take care of it. <laughs> and I think a lot of us as Christians do that. We just go, done. No, you didn't put in the effort. I don't think you're done yet. So an So here's what you've got to understand. Your spirit right now, right this very moment, is in complete connection with God it here your spirit hears God exactly as he speaks the holy spirit and your spirit are like this now that's that's a powerful thought but when your spirit tries to talk to your soul your mind it has to go through a filter and some of your filters are clogged does that help anybody? <laughs> and it, it takes time, a lifetime, to clear out. Let me give you an example. Let's talk about tongues and interpretation. So there's, uh, there's tongues given, and somebody gets up and gives the interpretation, and he uses the most terrible lang- grammar that you've ever heard in your life. And we end it now. That can't be God. God knows good English. God knows you can't say double negatives. God knows that you know. God knows you got to put the right tense with the right. Te- God knows How many know God knows English? And yet we give an interpretation and slaughter it. What happened? It's still going through that filter. So be careful about judging people. And we say, well, God knows the proper use of that verb, so therefore he's not hearing from God. No, he's hearing from God, but it's coming through a filter. How many know God doesn't, I don't think God speaks in a southern accent. How many know God doesn't necessarily speak King James English? Because I don't know what he did before sixteen hundred, you know, I don't know. So you say, well, if if we don't have these and thous, then it's not God. Silly. And if it's not y'all, th- y'all, this is the Lord talking. <laughs> you say, well, that can't be God. He doesn't have a. You know, if you go to Scotland, there's going to be a Scottish act. God speaks through the accent of, our, of the way we talk and our personality and what we know about God. And, and all that has to come through a filter, so don't write people off. Oh, okay, I'm going to help you even more. The moment you're saved, you're saved. And this is why we, we're not to judge people. Watch this. How, for instance, how many of you would be okay with people judging you the first week you were saved? Anybody? I wouldn't want them judging me the first week I was saved because I had some stuff to work through. You say, well, the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. Well, if they're not saved, they have no fruit. So we're not talking about saved or unsaved people. We're talking about saved people, and we can judge perhaps their le- some level of, of spirituality by the fruit in their life. Because every Christian has at least one fruit, and some are just fruity. I, I... Oh, God. They're sour. So let's listen we can't judge if a person is going to heaven or hell cuz that's not based on their fruit that's based on their standing with God If God forgave them they're on their way to heaven and it's not for you to judge them We can by the way there's two definitions to that word judge one is to weigh things we can weigh their fruit But there's that other definition, to judge is to condemn. And we are not, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn, judge the world. But he knew their fruit. So let's not judge people based on, and, and isn't it funny that we always judge people who are less spiritual than us. Just remember, there's somebody more spiritual than you judging you right now. So let's 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 be careful about this whole thing. Um, about who's going there, you can't commit that sin go to who, who made you the judge? We all deal with some level of carnality, something and, and Paul talks about I don't have time to get into this, but Paul said, okay, so should we just sin? No. No. Okay. Are you okay? How many want me to stop and let me answer your questions? <laughs> Tough. I'm preaching. You just... <laughs> notice what, what, notice uh, uh, what John says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. I remind you, dear children, your sins have been because of the power of his name. I remind you, fathers and mothers, mature Christians... You have a relationship with the one who has existed from the beginning. And I remind you, how many know he's talking spiritual experiences here? So we've got, we got babes in Christ. We have teenagers in Christ. They're the worst. And then we have mature people in Christ. And I remind young people, you have defeated the evil one. I write these things to you, dear children, because you truly have a relationship with the father. I write these things, fathers and mothers, because you've had a true relationship with him from the beginning. I write these things, young people, because you're strong. The word of God is treasured in your hearts, and you have defeated the evil one. So babes, young men, fathers, saved, strong, wise there's the three, saved, strong, wise. Get this, salvation frees you from the power of sin. Sin was nailed to the cross. Sin is supposed to be dead in your life. Salvation freed you from the power of sin, but it did not Free you from you. <laughs> you still have self. Flesh is still alive. Sin is dead. Well, what, a, what if I sin? I thought sin was dead. You allowed flesh to reactivate and bring sin back into your life, but sin's been killed. You can master sin. The problem is self. You know what? I'm going to say this too. The problem is not even the devil so much. He's just the aggravator. He's the manipulator. Boy, Thursday night, Mike Plans did a great job just breaking all this stuff down. What a great message. But the devil, I remember uh, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, 1500 (laughs) He he wrote in his diary, he said, I woke up this morning and I saw the devil standing at the foot of my bed. You know what Martin Luther said? He said, oh, it's you, and rolled over and went back to sleep. The devil's not my problem. He's been defeated. Sin is not my problem. It's been killed, dead, crucified, nailed to the cross. My problem is me. Oh, and the devil knows you. <laughs> but the devil's not really your problem. Let's let's, let's not talk about him, give him more credit. He doesn't deserve the credit. You're, you can be stupid all by yourself. <laughs> During the millennium, the devil's going to be locked up in the pit, and man is still going to rebel against God. All right. So... You're not free from the power of self, but you are free from the power of sin. Does that help anybody? Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 6 through 11, could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. We're not submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. Hello? And by the way, a dead person can't be offended either. Every once in a while, people say, Pastor, did I offend you? Not possible. I refuse to be offended. I'm just not going to be offended. Say whatever you want. I just write it up as carnality. Hallelujah. So if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die, no more is resurrection life, has vanquished death, and its power, say power, over him is finished. For by his sacrifice we die to sin's power. Notice there's nothing here about flesh. Once and for all, but now, but now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be. Let it be the same way with you. Since you are joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead. Oh, there's something we've got to do here. And unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Let me, let me go into King James in that last verse. Likewise, you also reckon, say reckon, say I reckon. That word in the Greek is actually a business term. It means to put in the books properly. Reckon yourself. See, you are dead, I reckon. You're dead, but some of you haven't reckoned it. You haven't put the numbers in the books. Oh, yeah, I'm dead. You have to consider yourself. You have, Paul said, I die daily. In other words, every morning he gets up and goes, Phew. I'm dead to self. I reckon it. I apply it. I make it happen, as it were. You don't actually make it happen. You just acknowledge what is true. I'm dead to sin. Hello, self. Deal with that. That's the key. Now, in, in next week or two, we'll, we'll talk about how you actually die. I'm not going to tell you that today. It's too much for you to handle. But that's the key. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. How many are still with me? Um, How long have I been preaching? I don't care. All right. As you yield, say yield. Oh, there's a secret term. Freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit. As you do that, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. This is powerful. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him Sir. Filter, hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings, the Holy Spirit has cravings, hinder your old self-life from dominating you so then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. And the more you die to self, the more clear that, Filter becomes, and you'll start hearing more. How many want to hear more from the Holy Spirit? Well, you can't have your way then. (laughs) When you're brought into the full freedom of the great, how many know that's possible? Full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above the law. I'm I'm not trying to keep the law anymore. I'm above that. The cravings of the self lie, just in case you need a list. And how many know this isn't complete? As I read through this, you're not there. Just remember, it's not a complete list. You're there somewhere. (laughs) Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography. Come on, Paul. Chasing after things instead of God. Mm -hmm. Manipulating others. Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored. The altars are open. No one knows which one it is. T- temper tantrums, like you're mad at me right now. Angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. Well, that's your opinion being envious of the blessings of others. Let's throw murder in there (laughs) just in case. Uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all the similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love. I, I, when you read the nine fruit of the Spirit, you can almost put a what's it called? A dot dot after it. I co- put a colon or semicolon after love, and the other eight are definitions of or expressions of love. Divine love in all its varied expressions, love. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action. Glory to God. A life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. You don't need commandments and laws if you allow the spirit to work through you but you have to kill the flesh. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life is put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit, amen, and follow after him. I think one more verse. So may we never be arrogant or look down on another. We talked about that. For each one of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that dismisses the value of other people. Wow. Romans chapter 6. You got enough word yet? You need to take this home and read through these scriptures over and over and over, and that's your homework. Uh, Verse 12, 13, 14. Sin is a dethroned monarch. See, you must no longer give it an opportunity. If sin's ruling in your life, it's because you let it. Period, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then, refuse, say refuse. Refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, instead, passionately, answer. God's call in your spirit to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. Woo, glory to God. How many are getting it? Remember this. Sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of of the grace of God. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Amen. So the law is good, and by law we could basically talk about the Ten Commandments or whatever's wrong is the law. It's good in that it tells you the difference between right and wrong. But what Paul says in, in, in defining what is right and wrong It gives strength to the wrong. It further loads on your conscience that this is wrong. It's in the law. You can't do this. Amen? So it's good in that it tells us what's right and wrong. But hear me, even though it tells us what's right and wrong, the law gives us no power to defeat it. The law does not help them. The law will just kill you. How many remember in the Old Testament when they opened the Ark of the Covenant, people died? Why? Because they were looking on the law, and the law only kills. You can't look to the law to be saved. It will only kill you. Can I put it in simpler terms? You cannot try to be good to get to heaven. That's keeping the law. But the law has no power, it will only kill you. Romans, how many want more word? (laughs) Romans 6, verse 19 and 20. I use the familiar terms of a servant and a master to compensate for your weakness to understand. Even the Romans had their problems. For just as you surrendered your bodies and souls to impurity and lawlessness, it's only brought more lawlessness into your lives. So now surrender yourselves as servants of righteousness, which brings you deeper into true holiness. The more you submit, the more you get. For when you were bound as servants to sin, you lived your lives free from any obligation to righteousness. You didn't have to live right. You were fine with that. You know, you know who's really the most miserable people on the planet? It's not really sinners. I mean, they, they might have their moments, uh, but they're, they're just doing what they can to have a good time. You know who the most miserable people are? Carnal Christians are the most miserable people on the planet because they know what they're doing is wrong. And they beat themselves up when they do it anyway. I got a solution for your miserableness, oh wretched man. Die. James chapter 2, verse 10. For the one who attempts to keep all of the law of Moses but fails at just one point has become guilty of breaking the law in every respect. How many know if you break the laws of Ohio... They can put you in jail. Do you have to break all the laws to go to jail? How many laws do you have to break before they put you in jail? One. How many, <laughs> how many broken laws does it take to miss heaven? Because if you break one, you've broken them because you broke the law. You broke the law. Doesn't matter which one, you broke the law. And when you break the law, it brings death. Am I helping anybody? Colossians chapter 2, verse 21. For example, there are strict requirements. You can't associate with that person. Don't eat that or can't touch that. You have to be in your 40s to know what I just said. All right. <laughs> These are the doctrines of and corrupt customs that are keeping a law. Of can't touch that. Can't do this. Can't say it. Just trying to keep all those lists are worthless. They'll never keep you spiritual because you'll always break at least one. And then you're guilty of all. Am I helping anybody or am I just making you depressed? For though they may appear, appear to possess the promise of wisdom, the, the smart Christian, in their submission to God through the deprivation of their physical bodies, it is actually nothing more than empty rules rooted in religious rituals. Wow, powerful stuff. So, the cross salvation releases us, listen, from the penalty and power, penalty and power of sin, and restores our position in Christ. It is, as I said last week, a judicial pronouncement. You're free. question is, how are you going to walk in your freedom? Because we know most people, once they get out of prison, go back to prison because they don't know how to walk in their freedom. Oh, am I helping anybody? Church, I hate to say this, but I, I don't know what the percentage is. No way I would know. But how many might agree with me that the great percentage, 70 80% of Christians are actually carnal? In this church, it's only 3%, but I just it... studied. <laughs> our problem, our job, our job rather, is to crucify the flesh. Because the flesh still has the power to drag you back into sin if you let it. How many remember in the Old Testament? you were not allowed to pour oil on the flesh. Isn't that a weird commandment? You can pour it on your clothing, but you weren't allowed to pour it on the flesh. Why? Because the flesh is dead. You can't pour the Holy Spirit on flesh Maybe I said that wrong earlier. But listen, you can't pour the Holy Spirit on flesh. So the flesh has to die. And a new flesh, the new man. Oh, title for next week. The new man. The new man. You can pour oil on the new man because it has God's DNA. But the old man, you can't pour the Holy Spirit on your flesh. That's why churches don't have the Holy Spirit working in them, because it's too carnal. Where in the world am I? Okay. So the flesh, the flesh. You can't pour oil on, 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 on the flesh. You have to get the flesh out of the way, for the Holy Spirit to be. You say, oh, oh, God doesn't use me. God doesn't speak to me. I never. Hello, carnality. Kill it. Die to it. How do I do that? Come back next week. It has to die. It has to die. It has to die. So so depending on whether you're a babe in Christ or a youth in Christ or mature in Christ, that will determine how much oil is poured out on you, how much of the Spirit's poured out, how much you will hear the Holy Spirit. We can, we, how much God can communicate with you depends on how much of the filter is cleared out. How much flesh, because this is the good news. Your spirit is in touch with God right now. And nothing's, there's no hindrance there. It's just getting from the spirit to your soul. As we said last week, which of the three is the decision making person? The soul makes the decision who will be boss the flesh or the spirit, the old man or the new man, the spirit man or the carnal man. and the soul decides who's in charge. And by the way, just in case you think, well I'm saved now, I don't believe one's saved always saved. And let me tell you, there's a difference between abusing grace and rejecting grace. Some people are abusing grace and they're living carnally. But here's the thing as you keep inviting sin back into your life, at some point, you will reject grace. At some point, you will say, I don't want God. I don't need God. I'm tired of this. I don't understand God. I'm through. I'm done. You made the choice to disk unplug from God. You can make that choice. So I don't believe once saved, always saved. I'm glad it's not once and always because at one point I wasn't saved. So I'm glad that's not true. I can be saved. I can be born again. John 3, 6. John 3, 6, for the natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to supernatural Like Your spirit can is trying to birth things in you that are spiritual. Get the flesh out of the way. John 1, 12, but those who embrace him and took hold of his name, took hold of of his name were given authority to become the children of God given authority but are you using that authority are you using the name of Jesus speaking the name speaking the name speaking the name he's giving you authority Paul says, I get up every day and I die. I just just make up my mind. My flesh is dead. I'm not submitting to the flesh. It's not about even your power to do it. It's about submitting to the power of God to do it. Did you get that? If you got that, you don't have to come back next week. No, there's a lot more to it. All right? Stand with me. Praise God. Sweet Jesus. Hallelujah. Did anybody get anything out of this? You better say yes, because if you say no, it's because you're carnal. Okay. I don't understand. Okay. You got a big filter there. (laughs) The Holy Spirit's trying to use me to communicate to you about how to clean the filter. Quit pushing the, yeah, I'm done button. Let's change the filter. Let's get some fresh air. Let's get some Holy Spirit in our lives. I know we've been here. We hear a lot. Oh, wretched man that I am. And that's Paul talking. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ. Woo! And then Romans chapter 8, verse 1, the very next verse, says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's not about what you do, what you don't do. Jesus said you're free, and the power of sin has been killed in you. It has no power. Act like it. Act on it. Father, we love you. We thank you today. There's none like you today. Thank you. You didn't just save us. You gave us. You didn't just save us from the penalty of sin, but you gave us power over sin. It's dead in our lives. Dead. Help us to never Seek to revive it. Oh, sometimes we feel like a wretch. We feel miserable. The fight we're in sometimes. and We we lose sometimes. But, Father, help us to quit beating ourselves up and let us get a hold of this and learn how to crucify the flesh. Crucify the flesh. Get up there on the cross with you. Sin is dead. Flesh is alive. We're going to kill it with your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.